Well, good evening. And we are not alone. Look around. Say hi to your neighbor, huh? So good to see you on a Saturday night. We're really delighted to have you here. Thank you so much for being a part of Timberline. We're excited about all this. I uh, want to take just a moment to welcome Windsor. We're so glad that you've joined us today, and God bless you all. We're going to look at the next chapter in the book of Acts. Now, let me catch you up. If you haven't been around for a while, or you are a guest, we are in a series called Catching the Wind. And we've explained this almost every weekend, but I don't get tired of saying it. I hope you don't get tired of hearing it. The Spirit is, it's an analogy of the Spirit, and it's a perfect metaphor of the wind. Because you can't see it. You don't always know where it comes from. Sometimes I don't know why it's blowing, and sometimes I don't know why it isn't. But I just know you can't control it. You can't capture it and use it later. And when you walk with the Spirit, you have to be living in the now. You have to be living in the moment to say, God, today could be a day in which something extraordinary happens in my ordinary life. And this is exactly what we're going to talk about. And I'm excited about this weekend because... We're gonna, at the end, almost at the end, we're going to just kind of wind things down. We're going we're gonna to pray for people who are sick in body. We're going to ask, we're going to anoint you with oil. We're going to ask you to come forward and go to the walls. We have, our prayer team is ready. So I want you in your mind to be anticipating. If you need a touch from God physically in your body, I want faith to really arise. You know, I've called this message, Getting What You Don't Ask For. <laughs> How many of you that's ever happened to you? Getting what you don't ask for. You know, typically when you get something you don't ask for, it's not a positive thing. It can be junk mail you didn't sign up for. It can be a tax bill from five years ago that they just now found. Oh, isn't that wonderful? You look forward to that. It can be a bad report on a blood test or a medical report, and they give you news that you haven't asked for and you don't want to know. And sometimes ignorance is bliss. How many of you know that? It's not always wise, but sometimes it is bliss. Today, we're looking at a story of a man who was, he's called, he's called the lame man. He, he has no name. His whole identity in the Bible is that he is crippled. That's how he's known. That's how the community knows him. And he's sitting by a gate begging for money when the wind begins to blow. The wind of the Spirit. And Peter says something that I do not believe he had planned on saying. Because there was a moment of anointing that came over him. And as we look at this story, I'm believing God for that this weekend in our Timberline services. Both here and at Windsor. I want you to watch a video. Ron and Sonny have been kind enough to let us show this. But this is a true bona fide documented miracle that's happened in her life a complete cure from west nile take a take a look at this hi everybody we are here with sonny and uh we want you to hear a story that shows us that god still cares about healing people sonny you have quite a story tell us a little bit about west nile that's a scary word but tell us what happened well in 2003 when west nile was really evident in colorado was the year that I was bit, and I had encephalitis and meningitis. Wow. And um, I'm very thankful that I lived through that, and that's prayers. And, uh, and then um, 
I was sent to a number of hospitals. Um, I was in Michigan for five weeks. Um, and through the years, um, I went to lots of doctors, neurologists, and specialists. Um, and I still had um, terrible headaches, migraines. So it kept me from doing a lot of things. And this is for years? This right? is for nine years. Nine years. Nine I mean, years. that's a long time. A long time. Struggle. And I remember you struggling and mm -hmm. trying to get to church and just the, the pain. Mm -hmm. Oh, terrible. Yeah. So what happened? Um, I was directed because this uh, doctor told me that they couldn't do anything else for me. And so they suggested this uh, naturopathic uh, person so I made an appointment I went in and um, she prayed for me she laid hands on me and she prayed for me um, and it was almost it was an instantaneous healing. So in that moment you literally felt healing come into your body I just did. like that I did and after I got up I mean I was unstable for a little bit but no headaches thereafter none Amazing. I know, no pain. When you went back to your doctor mm -hmm. to, to verify all this, tell us okay. what their response was and what happened. They were so happy. They were just ecstatic. Um, in fact, we you know made such a great friendship through the nine years that I go back to see her on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. um, and you know she just she's amazed, wow. just amazed. Yeah. And they can't explain it. They can't explain it. I love it when God does stuff that man can't explain. This is just one story, Sonny. Thanks for sharing yes. it. That God can still touch people and He still heals. So believe Him for your miracle. God bless. Let's say thanks to Sonny for sharing. She's right over here. I see her. Her and Ron. God bless you. You know, I want you to take out your bulletin and go to the back page and just write some things down. Just follow along as we look at this incredible story. If you have a Bible, go to the book of Acts in chapter 3. We're just going to go verse by verse through the first few verses. The first thing I want you to write down, which I think is astounding in this story, is this. Sometimes miracles happen on the way. Like on the way to the grocery store, on the way to church, on the way to school, on the way to the bus stop, on the way, on the way, on the way. These guys had no idea that this was about to happen. They couldn't have prepared. They were not planned. But God knew. And sometimes miracles happen on the way. That's why our routines really matter. Listen to this. In chapter 3, verse 1. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. <laughs> That's it. How, how, how many of you are glad they did so we have this story? See, they just were going to the church. They were just going to go by. There's a prayer service probably every day at 3 o'clock. Last week we saw they, the, the believers gathered daily to pray, and those that could come would come, and those that couldn't wouldn't. But they came. And these daily routines are often when God shows up most. And sometimes I'm, I'm guilty of not even thinking that God's going to really show up in my day. <laughs> sometimes I, I pray, I have my devotions in the morning, and I go about my business. But I have to tell you, this story has got me thinking about having a little more faith about every moment of my day. And taking seriously those moments that God might have when the wind might begin to blow in my spirit. They had no idea when they left to go to the prayer meeting that this miracle would be taking place. Isn't that just like God? If you really think about it for a minute. This is why we can live with expectancy 
and with anticipation every day of our lives, which I'm not sure I do very well. But this is why we can, and it's why we should. You never know when God is going to call on you to be involved in something, listen, that is life-changing, either for you or for someone else. We call it an ordinary day, but God might have the wind blow in one of those moments of that day. The second thing in your outline is this. Let the facts be the facts. In other words, they didn't create this story. No one's trying to conjure up a miracle story. No one's saying, hey, we need some publicity. Uh, Let's hope something good happens so that the city will be stirred. God, you really need to do something so that people will be caught off guard. No, this is just the story as it happened. Verse 2. As they approached the temple, a man lame from when? Lame from birth, that's important, was being carried in. Each day, notice this, this isn't his first day. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. How many of you would agree with me that Peter and John have seen this man before? How many of you would agree with me that Peter and John... Okay, good. I was worried there for a minute. Wow. Uh, I don't. I, he's there every day. Peter and John go through this gate all the time. So, so this is just an absolute... Normal routine day. This man probably was brought to this spot every single day. It's a prime spot. Think about it. If you're in his situation and you can catch people when they're going into church to pray, they're going to be wanting to please God. And so maybe giving a little help would be a good idea. Charity's a good thing. Loving someone is a good thing. It's a prime spot. I, I think about... Sometimes in our lives when we see people standing there holding a sign and you're not sure what always to do, I'm always moved by it. I don't care if they're panhandling. I don't care if they abuse the money or just go buy drugs. I mean, I don't give them money because I've been told not to and I understand it. But I know this, I'm always moved by it. And I always want us as a church and as the people of God to be prayerful when we come upon people who are asking us for something and, and see them. And feel what they must be going through. You say, well, they're just ripping off the system. Okay, maybe they are. But can't we be the people who say, God, is this a moment that you would want me to have a discussion with this person? Is this a moment that maybe I could do something for this person? Is this a moment, if nothing else, that I'm being called to pray and intercede for this person and the situation that they are in? I don't want to be in that situation in my life. But they probably once said they didn't want to either. And I think that sensitivity, sometimes we get calloused. You know, sometimes we walk by people and whether they're asking for money or or not, just not even noticing the tragedies of life, the challenges. But the fact was this man was crippled. We do not know how he got this way. We do not even know who the people are who brought him to this spot. It could have been his family, could have been friends. We don't know. But we know that he was brought there every day and put at this place. And how ironic that he was placed at the gate called Beautiful. I've I've really been thinking a lot about this, and often I see pain with beauty. If you ever go see some of the greatest sights in the world, one of the trips to India, Bonnie and I had a chance to go see the Taj Mahal. 
And some of you who have seen it, it is. It's amazing. But you know what I remember about it? I remember the block of people asking for money on their knees, walking to try to check in through the gate to see the Taj Mahal. Beauty, sorrow. They go through the gate called beautiful. And there's this man. Hundreds of people are walking by this man and saying nothing and absolutely refusing to have eye contact because that's what you're supposed to do. This story gets even better and it's powerful what happens. Number three, let's ask for what we really want. This is satisfying to me because this man is not even thinking in regard of asking for his body to be healed. It's It's not even on his radar screen anywhere. He wouldn't even have the thought of it because he's been this way from birth. It's his life. It's it's just what he does. This is his life. He might not understand it, but it's his life. Verse 3. When he saw Peter and John about to enter through the gate, he asked them for some money. This is what he always did. This is what he's been doing ever since he could probably talk. And he's asking them for money. He thought, now get this, because this is important. God really talked to me about this. He thought money was his greatest need. He had somehow believed that money was his greatest need. And money wasn't his greatest need. I I think about this, and I ask you this question. What is your greatest need? I I have a cousin, a first cousin, great guy, great family, farmer in Kansas, hard-working guy, bought one lottery ticket. I don't encourage that. But after this story, I'm thinking of buying one. (laughs) After taxes were all taken out, they deposited his account $10 million dollars. And here's the farmer. You know what he said? He called his mom. He called his sister. This is a cute story. He called his sister who was just struggling away. And and he said, I just won the lottery. She said, oh, sure. Then pay off my car and pay off my house. And he said, okay. And he did. He's my best favorite cousin. (laughs) I know you're watching. No, just kidding. We often think... That money is our greatest need when it rarely is. If you really could, if you really could have one thing, anything you wanted, what would you ask for? That is a daunting question. I'm not not sure I know the answer yet, and I've been thinking about it for a while. I really don't know for sure. I'd have to ponder that. But this guy thought his greatest need was money. Sometimes the people we often help here at Timberline and through all the ministries of our church and our communities, we see right away that money is not their greatest need. As a matter of fact, giving them money might hinder their very life. But sometimes it's a life plan. It's a business plan. It's financial planning. It's something else. It's medical care. It's, it's health But this guy was simply asking for what he had always asked for. He needed money. I believe many times my prayers have not been answered because I have been asking for totally the wrong things. And the mercy and grace of God, listen, have absolutely saved me 
from myself and my selfish prayers. And so I'm trying on this weekend and through this story to kind of step back and say, okay, if I'm the guy at the gate, what is it that I really need to be asking for? Because all of us, all of us are the guy at the gate. All of us have needs. And all of us are broken. And all of us need help from somebody. And this man was simply reaching out the best he knew how to do. Number four in your outline is this. Will I recognize divine spirit moments? Now, I hope this doesn't get spooky right now, but I'm telling you, this, this is a catch-the-wind series where we talk about the divine moments of the breath of God. Well, the wind is about to blow, and the breath of God is about to come, and the miracle is about to happen. So verse 4. Peter and John looked at him intently. That is strange. Typically, you think of you. When you drive by someone at an intersection with a sign, do you look at them intently? Someone asking for something, do you look at them intently? Probably not. They looked at him intently. And Peter said, look at us. I'll talk about that in a minute. The lame man looked at them eagerly expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Wow. Boom. Just like that, we are at the heart of everything that's about to happen, just in a couple sentences. Peter and John looked at him. This is huge. Can I just say, whether it's in a physical sense or whether it's in a prayerful way, let's be the people who have the eyes of God. Let's be a church that sees the needs around us. Let's be a people group that can look into someone's eye and care about who they are regardless of who they are. And let's just lead with love. And let's look at people. Let's not be afraid to have a conversation. People need to be noticed. People need to be noticed. This guy was noticed. I think that's why that's in Scripture. I think the the divine wind that came upon Peter was, first of all, to say to him, look, look, look. Have you ever seen this? someone go like this? (laughs) Do you understand me? Are you looking at me? That's what's happening here. God had a plan. They wanted eye contact. A person begging often has their head down, especially in this culture. If you study cultures, in this culture, it was very common for a beggar to have their head down all the way, putting themselves in a completely humbled position, knowing that they can do nothing to sway you, and they're at your complete mercy. And there's a little place where you can put money, and they will never look at you. And that's probably why Peter said, look at us. Get your head up. You know, for some of you, that's, that's the word you need today. It's just, get your head up. God sees you. He notices you. You're not alone. You don't have to be desperate. Get your head up and look at God. He's looking at you. This lame man knew that this was rare. And so the minute he heard, look at us, his hand went out and he's thinking, finally, the first donation of the day. They're going to give me some money. And think of how he felt when Peter looked right at him and said, we don't have any money. I read one author who said that Peter said, hey, we're preachers, we're broke. (laughs) I thought that was cute. All this man thought he needed was money. 
they may have wanted this man to feel the value that they were placing on him. They may have just had this God-sized moment where the looking at him was more important than any money he would ever receive because of the value. And I think that he could have never believed that they would be able to give him health. I think, I think that, that that wasn't even on the table. He had no clue that that was about to happen. And so he's not understanding. But this is the system. I beg, you give me a little bit and we're all good. But you're not all good. Sometimes you can get what you asked for and you're not all good because you're not asking for the right things. That's at the heart of this story, you guys. Peter said that he would give him what he did not have. He would give him something different because he didn't have money. It's huge. Let me, let me, let me ask you this. What is it that you do have? What is it that you do have? Peter said, I don't have money, that's what you're asking for, but let me give you what I do have, and you're not asking for it. Because I have something, and it's bigger than what you're asking for. Would you like that? Now, i got to mention this, because I think, I think Peter, when he says, I don't have any money, I'm going to give you what I do have, I think John, John's eyes get this big. The, John says nothing in the story. But it's Peter and John who are going to church together, right? And it's Peter doing the talking, which is normal, right? And, and they're walking up, probably just talking, thinking about the day, and they, boom, this happens. It's a matter of seconds, don't have any money. But what we have, we're going to give to you. And John's probably thinking, what do we have that he wants? Maybe he knew too. But sometimes the Spirit comes upon us. In moments that cause us to say things that are faith statements that gush over. And I don't think Peter even realized that he fully said this until it was coming out of his mouth. You with me on that? It was just an anointing. And he said, but, but what we have we give to you in the name of Jesus from Nazareth. Get up and walk. And it was an explosive moment. Those moments, time slows down. I don't know what happens in the, in the divine realm, but there is a lot of stuff going on in the heavenly realms when this was taking place. And Jesus was there. And I don't know how the angels work, and I don't know how the Spirit works. I don't know how He got healed. I don't know how His muscle sinews grew on his legs and his joints popped and and his body started being made whole it's like a it's like a movie i don't know how all that happened but i know it started with a flicker of faith that peter felt the wind blow when he was looking at this man and he spoke the word over him and i'm telling you that's what i want us to grasp I want us as a church to... God is stretching me this week. I don't like the fanatical, crazy stuff when it comes to the divine move of God. But this is practical. It's real. And I don't know why it happened on this day. They've walked by this guy possibly hundreds of times. Why now? I guarantee you something else. There were other people begging at this gate. It's a famous gate. Why this guy? Do you think tomorrow everybody's at the gate hoping Peter and John walk through? 
you better believe it. And Peter's going, I hope this happens again. But we don't have a record of it happening again. So there's no magic formula. I need you to understand this. When we pray for you in a minute, there's no magic formula that you wave the wand and God is in this box of going, oh, great. They said the right things and now I have to do it. I'm forced into it. It's not that. It's us being captured by a moment of faith where something is imparted and the Spirit anoints it and the Spirit comes upon and the Spirit does the work and the miracle happens because the miracle is divine. You know, I've said this to you years ago. I look back. One of the reasons I don't believe we see signs and wonders in the way that they did in the New Testament in America especially is because People are selfish to take the credit. If God uses someone in a powerful way with the gift of healing, they'll have a crusade and take offerings and write books and become a millionaire in two nights. And they'll hoard it. I'm not saying everyone who has the gift of healing has done that. But I'm telling you, I've watched this happen where people suddenly can't keep their hands off of the blessing of God and the gifts of the Spirit. So I've prayed this whole week. I've just been praying, God, if you choose to heal people this weekend, we are committed that you are the only one who's going to get any praise or any glory from it. Amen? So let's agree to that right now so God can do what he wants to do. And no man is going to be called special gifted to make anything happen because it's God who does this. He uses us and he spins us. And this man suddenly had the miracle happen. Now let's just look at the point five. Then we're going to pray for people. Let God do the miracle. Let God do the miracle. We can't do it anyway. I can't pray like loud enough or strong enough or get all the right words or memorize a formula that makes the power of God How many of you know that? It's true. So what we're going to do is we're calling on the name of the Lord. In a few moments, I'm going to instruct you to go to the walls. Let me just read this, verse 7. Peter took the lame man by the right hand and he helped him up. That is fascinating to me. I don't know what part Peter played, what part the man played, but there's a physical touch that happens and as they did it, the miracle happened. He helped him up as he did the man's feet. And ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up. He stood on his feet. He began to walk. Then walking and leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them. Can you imagine never experiencing walking in your life until this moment when God grows all this muscle into your system and fixes all your joints and you are now having mobility for the first time? No wonder he was walking, jumping, and leaping. He didn't really care what someone thought. Would you? I wouldn't. This is a miracle from God. You know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't think there's a formula to make it happen, but we're just going to pray for people. Here's what we're going to do. For those of you in Windsor, I've asked Pastor John, campus pastor there, to lead you and to also lead you through the last point in just a few moments. So you guys, we're praying with you. God bless you. For those of us here, I'm going to ask 
all of us to just stand if we would. Just all of us, because it will really help facilitate getting people out of the rows. If you're here and you don't believe in divine healing, then you can just watch. If you're here and you believe God is able to heal people, I want you to begin to intercede and to begin to pray that God will do what He wants to do as we pray over people. The people who are praying are our prayer team, our pastors, our deacons, our leaders in our church. And we're going to have people line up on the walls and come forward. If you're in the first three or four rows, then you should come down to the front and stand all the way across if you want to be prayed over in just a minute. And then I'm going to ask the rest of you, like if you're on this side, this half of the room, if you want to just move quickly and go over to that wall in a minute, you guys want to go, just just go stand along that wall. And we have people that are going to come, and I'm going to ask you to just hold out your right hand. As you walk up here, just hold out your right hand, and they're going to anoint your right hand with oil. There is nothing magic in the oil. It simply symbolizes the Holy Spirit. Kings were anointed with oil. We are instructed in the New Testament to anoint people with oil when we pray for them. Okay? And so that's why we're doing it. It's obedience. So no magic there. Three people might anoint your hand. It's fine. Okay? Don't worry. And if you don't get anointed, it doesn't mean God won't touch you. Okay? But it's it's symbolic. So I'm going to ask those of you who have any physical need. Now... We're specific. Some weekends we pray for addictions. We pray for all kinds of stuff. We're praying this weekend for physical healing in your body. If you've been diagnosed with cancer, if you've been diagnosed with a blood disease, if you have pain somewhere, we're asking God to bring healing to your body. And we're just putting the gauntlet out and saying, God, you do your thing. We're simply giving opportunities. So as we sing this song, Jeremiah is going to lead us. If you want to be prayed over and anointed, then I want you to go as we begin to sing this song. So, um, are you ready? God, help us. Lead us into this. You're going to be anointed, and I'm going to lead us in a prayer, a general prayer for all of us, and we're going to go back to our seats. But I want everyone praying. Okay, lead us, Jeremiah. Lead us. Go now. next to someone or you want to come with them, if you want to go join them, go do that right now. I'm going to lead us. Lord, we may not have what someone wants, but what we have is in the name of Jesus, by the power of the cross, by the power of the stripes that were laid on your back, you 
are the powerful one. You are the healer of our diseases. You are one who heals our bodies. God, I pray that you will reverse these symptoms. That you will heal and make pure the blood of those in this room who right now have blood filled with something that does not belong there. Father, we pray for people who have migraine headaches and back problems and leg problems and bone issues. We pray, God, now for healing in the bodies that have been wounded and broken. We pray for healing that you will reach out and you will touch by your Spirit. Let the wind blow in this room right now and do the divine. We seek after you. We seek after you. And you bring these things. So touch your kids in the way that you want to touch them. Lord, we have anointed with oil and we have prayed. And the prayer of faith has come off of our lips. And now we trust you for the the miracles that you want to do. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Let these people know you love them, would you, before they come back? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to hold on to this moment. And if you just feel like God's done something in you, we need to hear about it. I mean, like tonight. I'm going to be down here. Our prayer team's going to be down here in a minute. And we want to hear about it. We want to write some things down. If you need to go to your doctor to get checked out, we want you to do that. Don't fake a miracle. That's the worst thing you can do in the kingdom of God, right? So let's believe God and go out of here believing. You say, well, I'm not sure. (laughs) Well, just trust God and ask Him to continue this work. Why don't you be seated if you're able to do that. And let me just give you one last thought that I think is really powerful. And it's just a minute. It's just going to take a minute. It's called I, The last point, for those of you that would really be bothered not to fill in that last thing, it's called the ripple effect. It's called the ripple effect. And that means that one little stone thrown in a calm lake causes the ripple to go all the way to the edge. And that's what happens in the story. I'm just going to read it. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. That's important. When they realized that he was the lame beggar, that's his name. Isn't that interesting? That's that's what they called him, the lame beggar. They had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. What a picture. Here's this this full-grown man now holding on. I'm not letting go. I'm not letting go. You know why? He was the Jesus They were the Jesus that he knew. May the sick and the lonely and the wounded run to us. And may they cling to us. Because we are the Jesus that they know. If you want to do some fun reading, go home tonight, tomorrow, this week. I hope you're going along with us in the series. And read Acts chapter, the rest of chapter 3 and chapter 4. This miracle was the biggest ripple effect, and it really launched another wave of people coming to faith in Jesus Christ. God will use your story. God will use your testimony. And God cares about what the weight is that you carry. He loves you. I want to thank you for praying. I want to thank you for being a church that believes in healing. 
And I just want to say, continue to pray. Go home tonight. Just keep praying this week. Lord, I'm trusting you. My life is in your hands. And then ask him, God, what is it that you want me to be praying for most? And see if he'll tell you something. And this week, let the wind blow in your spirit. Because maybe you're supposed to stop and pray for somebody. Maybe you're supposed to stop and say, how are you really doing? God will lead you. He will guide you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this moment. Thank you for people who believe in prayer. Thank you for a church that is willing to pray for people who need to be healed. I just ask you to continue to let your spirit fill this place. That this city may know you are a God who touches people. We thank you. We praise you for the glory of God. And everyone said amen.